Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. I'm used to calling myself now Mr. Grimley because I'm working at a school and I don't call myself like Nate anymore. And it's really weird. And like the other day, there was a student that was like, what's your name? And I was like, Nathan. And he goes, that's weird to think of you that way. Like you're Mr. Grimley. And it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's just like such a weird, like, it's the most adult I've ever felt in my life. I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe because I, my entire life have referred to your father as Mr. Grimley. And that, that would yeah. be weird. So, uh, yeah, it's like if I was, call, if I called you Eric. Well, it's not quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. We're excited for a fun episode today. We're going to be talking about the album Blushing by Copeland. We have Spammer Jam. We have Top 3. We have our Encore. We have just a lot of fun stuff for this episode today. So you ready to jump in, Nate? Yep, I'm on the diving board. Welcome to Spammer Jam, where Andrew and I talk about three radio hits, and we basically let you know whether we think it sucks and it's just a run-of-the-mill radio song, or even if it just sucks, even if it isn't a normal radio song, or we tell you if we think it's awesome and unique or just a really well-done song, even if it doesn't stand out that much. So we got three songs for you today, and Andrew, are you ready for being proved wrong by my opinion being better than yours it happens every time let's do this okay let's go so our first track is Ten Thousand hours by dan and shay featuring the J Beebs himself he's also in the music video with his baby his baby baby <laughs> okay literally anybody who's listening right now feel free to never listen to our podcast again you have every right to just shut us off right now yeah, this is your out, and we will not be mad at all. Okay, so Andrew, what's your thoughts? Spam or jam? So I had a hard time with this one, and I think that that's why Nate picked it, is that he knew that I would be pulling my hair out because I listen to the song, and there's certain things that I listen to in songs to go, okay, is it spam or is it a jam? So the first thing I listen for is just terrible elements, and there's not terrible elements in the song. Then I listen for good elements, like really good, really unique. And there's not really good and really unique elements. This song is as straight down the middle as they come. If there's any just like bland but fine songs, this would be it. So I'm going to go spam only because it's... It's country. That's why. Because <laughs> it's on the line and the tiebreaker is, is it country or not? And it is. So you're like spam. If I put it as a jam, I would listen to it again, and I wouldn't listen to the song again. So the tiebreaker is it's not a bad song. I could see people liking it, and I'm not going to like really crap on the song a bunch, but it's not great either. So I'm just going to go spam. I feel like that's that's the safer bet than trying to say jam and have people go, oh, you really like the song. I'd be like, no, I I don't, though. So... It's whatever. Nate, what are your thoughts? What do you think my thoughts are, if you had to guess? 
I was trying to think of this literally this whole time. I have no clue. Um, let me let me take a guess just to see if I'm right. I'm gonna say jam. How much of a jam? Not much. Okay. I love this song. Do you seriously? Yeah, I think oh. it's so good. I'm I think sorry. it's just like no, that's totally fine. And I know that like you view me as inferior now, but I just think it's so catchy and it's so sweet and it has some like really cool like minor like production elements and also like like group vocal parts added to the track that I just really like and I just think it's such a good song and I really like it. I don't know. There's I would say it's hard to imagine and I don't know if this is on an album or not, but it's hard to imagine an album with this. Like I think I would get tired of just how sweet and how lovey-dovey it is if if the rest of the tracks on the album were like that but if this was on a good album with a lot of diverse tracks i think i would like that album yeah i really like that song so yeah surprise surprise you got me and and the voices are are really great like honestly between dan and Che and justin bieber like all of them like ridiculously good voices so so that is that is definitely like i agree Yeah, you agree it's a huge jam. All right, next, Uh, (laughs) Circles by Post Malone. What are your thoughts, Andrew? So if you know me well, and Nate might not even know this, I'm like a sucker for Post Malone, like straight up. Like I feel like he could do anything, and I'd be like, "Mm, yeah, I'm kind of into that. So I think it's a jam. So some thoughts that I had, and I knew the song pretty well before we chose it for Spammer Jam because I listened to Post Malone. Some of the production elements, like the guitars and just just the the overall vibe, is actually very kind of '90s, a little bit, a little bit of a throwback, a bit, and it sounds very different than normal Post Malone, which I think he's changing it up a little bit, which I think is awesome. So I think it's so cool. His voice is so cool. Whether it's I don't know. It's probably way overproduced, and he's probably not that good live. I don't know. But from what I've heard, it's really cool, and uh, I think the song's a legit jam. So, Nate, I take it you hate the song because we're just (laughs) going to be on opposites today. So what are your thoughts? No, I have jam as well. The first thing I noted, which is similar to you, is the production. I think it's, like, so well produced, and... um, this is one of those like vibe songs, I think. But I do think even though the core, the hook is like strong, I still think it could have been like a little bit stronger. Like I like the hook. I think it's catchy. But turning this from like a great song or like a really good song to an incredible song, I would have wanted like a little bit stronger of a hook. But that's that's just like a minor complaint. I think overall it's just a really good song. So next we have Truth Hurts by Lizzo. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts? All right. So it's a jam. I really like the song. Uh, Once again, the production actually stands out on it. There's just a lot of really cool elements. The vocal melody in the second verse, I think it is, is really cool. It's like this weird mix of like almost like 
I'm going to say yodeling, but that's not what I mean. But like, it's something (laughs) very unique in there. So just listen to it and be like, that's not yodeling. That's whatever. Cause I can't remember the name of what it would be, but it's really cool. And it's just so like, I don't know, in your face and just matter of fact, and I like it. I like how blunt it is that it's not like dancing around things, but it's blunt. It's confident. I think that's why people like it is it makes you feel good and, and feel like you can just kind of take over the world. So, yeah. So, Nate, why Nate great till Nate gotta be great? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, I have a sweep for jams. I think that's my first sweep. I'm not sure, though. I'm pretty sure that's my first sweep. Yeah, I think building off what you said with the lyrics, what's cool about her being so blunt and a matter of fact is that this guy she's talking about, or just guys in general, like are often very like dodgy and not blunt when it comes to like stepping up in a relationship and actually committing. So... It's not just that overall her lyrics are straightforward, but I think specifically for this song, they work extra well because thematically it works. And then I just have some words for Lizzo, which even though she wrote this song years ago and she's not listening, it's just like, girl, don't settle. Keep doing your thing. Like that Minnesota Vikings player should treat you right. You've moved on. So, so yeah, no, I just, I really like the lyrics. And I think like, She's like a nice type of crazy, like unlike Taylor Swift, but Lizzo like realizes she's crazy, but for like good reasons, because like guys aren't treating her right. Taylor Swift's uh, just like a different type. I don't know why I felt the need to bring up Taylor Swift. It's just when I think of crazy girls, I think of Taylor Swift. But um, yeah, she's like an appropriate type of crazy where it's like you have the right to be crazy when your man won't like step up and be a man so so yeah so that was spammer jam let us know your thoughts on our instagram we'll be posting each of these songs on our story throughout the week so feel free to check us out see if we've posted this and then vote spammer jam and uh as long as you vote uh spam on all three which is what i did uh then we can be best friends forever so just do that okay and then make sure you vote uh, jam on the Dan and Shay song just to spite Andrew as well. Okay, thank you. And now we have top three. So get ready for it. Now we have top three, where basically we give a category of top three albums of something, or maybe top three artists, top three songs, and then Andrew and I will give you our top three of that category. This, again, we post on our Instagram a story, so feel free to participate. And this week, we have our top three tooth and nail albums. Now, this is a little bit more of a niche top three. Usually, our categories are a lot larger, but with doing Copeland who's one of the best tooth and nail bands and definitely one of the more defining bands of the label. We just felt like it would be cool to do a top three with tooth and nail. Now we're separating tooth and nail from solid state. Solid state is a side label or a label connected with tooth and nail. That's tooth and nail releases their heavier, more metal albums on. So 
we'll maybe someday do a top three with just solid state bands. If we review like maybe a fit for a King or an O sleeper or an August burns red album, something like that. But for now we're just going to do strictly tooth and nail albums and give you our top three. So Andrew, have you done the, the necessary prep to be ready for this segment? I believe so. Let's do it. So we have three albums we'll be sharing. So, Andrew, you, do you also have a uh, honorable mention because you can't make up your mind like a little baby? I do. I do have an honorable mention, which plays right into your hand. But, yeah, I'm going to start with my honorable mention. My honorable mention is Sent by Raven's album, Mean What You Say. They only had two albums, both released on Tooth & Nail. They are two amazing albums. I picked their second one because I think that that's a slightly better album. They just kind of perfected what they were able to do. It is one of my favorite rock albums. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I love this band. They they ended way too early with just two albums. But that second album is amazing. It just couldn't crack my top three. So that's why it's an honorable mention. I also wanted to quick just mention that because we're going to be talking about Copeland, I actually didn't throw any Copeland albums in, although they would be well-deserving of those spots here. I honestly hadn't even thought about putting Copeland in just simply because the whole thing was Copeland and we'll be talking plenty about them. So maybe if if you're upset that there's no Copeland albums in my top three, just know we're going to be talking Copeland a lot later. And if they're in your top three, I agree with you. They're awesome. So, all right. Here is my number three. My number three is the album The Silver Chord by the band The Classic Crime. This is one of my favorite just straight rock albums. They were really unique, and it's actually it's still my favorite album by The Classic Crime. It's a great album, really solid. I love the artwork. Is actually some of my favorite artwork on an album. And just every element, they bring so much to the table on that album. And I think at that time that it released, they were like my favorite band then, like right after that, because the album was so good. So the classic crimes, the silver chord, check it out. If you don't know it, that's my number three. Nate, what is your number three? My number three is Lowborn by Anne Berlin. So I was late on the Amberlynn train, even though I listen to cities, listen to dark is the way, listen a little bit to vitals, but I never like loved Amberlynn. Like a lot of my friends, for instance, like Andrew loved Amberlynn until this album, which they announced was their last album. And now they had, I think the three albums before this weren't on Tooth & Nail, even though a lot of their first albums were. But they returned to Tooth & Nail for this last record, Lowborn. And it's just an extremely solid album. It's one of those albums where every song is good. They don't waste any time. And they also have a lot of diversity within the tracks while still having a singular sound for the most part and just some really pretty beautiful songs and a great way to end it like a really great swan song like it's tough as a band to have a consistent career and end on a high note i think it's just an incredible album and now i'm a big amberlin fan because of this album and i've gone back and listened to all the records a lot more since then so so yeah so what's your two andrew well you set me up perfectly because my number two is Amberlynn, but it's Cities. 
once Nate picked this topic of top three, already knew Amberlin was in it. I just didn't know where it where it would rank, and it could have been anywhere in this. Again, all of these, it's splitting hairs really with the numbers. It really doesn't matter at all. But I put it at number two. Uh, one of the things that's incredible about them is that what that would mean is that, like, for Amberlin, cities never take friendship personal blueprints for the black market and then also lowborn all on tooth and nail and all incredible albums like really really good so definitely maybe the the prime amberlin albums are on tooth and nail so but cities is my personal favorite amberlin album and i love it so much it's one of my all-time favorite albums too so that's why it's my number two what is your number two nate so my number two is brother sister by me without you lyrically probably top five albums of all time and overall just it's in my top i think like 25 albums of all time it's just an incredible album this is me without you at their peak at their height though they've been similar to amberlynn a band that's been able to remain consistently great throughout their whole career and those bands are really hard to find yet tooth and nail seems to have found them yeah the brother sister is just a staple for spoken word rock music and there's really not many albums like it it's just a masterpiece so andrew numero uno this is i'm gonna really judge your list based off of this album so it better be good so my number one tooth and nail album is the album define the great line by under oath it's maybe my favorite metal album of all time maybe it's definitely up there and it's insanely good it's really the first metal album that I like after kind of hinting at liking metal. Then I finally was like, okay, yeah, I like metal. I like this album. It's insanely good. As you can tell from the albums that I chose to like, they're definitely like the heyday of tooth and nail. I felt like under oath was on the beginning end of that, that like heyday. Not, not that there's not incredible albums coming out through tooth and nail, but like, they signed everyone back in the day and they were signing a bunch of people like metal bands. That's kind of what also like spawned solid state doing more metal from that simply because they'd started with under oath. So I felt like it spawned a lot of just obviously copycats for under oath because everyone's copied under oath at some point, but that album is insanely good. One of my favorite album artworks too it's fairly simple, but just like I can't, I can't think of that album without thinking that album cover. It's great. So that is my number one. Nate, what is your number one? Speaking of bands that have copied Under Oath, my number one is Copeland, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Interestingly uh, <laughs> enough, I was going to get to this later. I didn't realize that Aaron Marsh, the lead singer of Copeland joins under oath on some will seek forgiveness others escape and for some reason the whole time i just always thought it was aaron gillespie's voice the whole time but it's definitely aaron's well other aaron <laughs> voice so uh i thought that that's cool that that also probably shows the heyday of of tooth and nail the fact that copeland and under oath did a thing together is pretty cool also copeland and amberlynn in inevitable on cities also joined so so two of my top three albums 
uh, or bands or whatever Aaron from Copeland helped with, at least in some way. So back to your number one, Nate. So the album is Exora. And Exora is one of my top 10 albums of all time. It's, uh, it's just so good. It's so beautiful. And there's like, I don't even know what to say or where to go just because there's so much I could say about it. And it's an album that I think for most people would probably be a grower, but it just like is incredibly beautiful. Lyrically, it's so well done. And it's very, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's like, it's not extremely dense. It's kind of a light album. But it's just incredible. So, yeah, listen to Exora, my favorite Copeland album. And I wanted to honor Copeland, too, but I'm not, like, lying to put put them at number one. Just, yeah, incredible album. Did you ever listen to Exora with the Exora twin both at the same time? Yeah, well, there's been... I don't own the Exora twin. I just own the Exora vinyl. But there's been people on YouTube who have, like, mixed both together to make one album just on YouTube. So I've listened to it there. I've also, I think, done it when it first came out, the audio. I matched, like, my phone up and my computer and played them at the same time. But, but yeah, Big Zora Twin is a genius thing that only makes everything a lot cooler. But, yeah. All right. So those are our top three. Uh, check those albums out if you haven't heard of them. If you want to... Uh, waste some time and get into some tooth and nail bands and let us know your again let us know your top three tooth and nail albums on our instagram all right now we're gonna get into our listening session on blushing so feel free to get your cheeks all rosy and join us for that Welcome to our listening party. As we've been hinting to, we are going to be talking about the album Blushing by the band Copeland. This is their newest album. There was a five-year gap since Exora, which we already kind of touched at just a little bit. There's a five-year gap between Exora and Blushing. Blushing came out on Valentine's Day this year, 2019, as long as we release this in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> they are from Lakeland, Florida. The current members of Copeland are Aaron Marsh, Brian Lawrenson, and Stephen Lawrenson. I believe it could be Stefan. There's a chance, but we're going to say it's Stephen. So it's just the three of them. They've had multiple members in and out throughout, but these are the, the constants, Aaron Marsh, does does singing keys guitar he does like everything and then the brothers the lawrence and brothers do lead and rhythm guitar as well so um, for the amount of guitarists that they have in the band you would think that they are like some metal hard band but if you've listened to copeland before you're aware that they are actually much more of a i don't know they're hard to actually define but but much more chill than what you might expect from that So this is their sixth album. They had four albums, and then they broke up as a band. They came back together. They released Exora and now Blushing. So that's just a little bit of background 
with them. I'm going to give my personal background with them, which is that I had some really close friends, including Nate, that have been in Copeland forever. So hats off to Nate. He's been been on this bandwagon since the beginning. For me, it's a little bit later. I got into them like within the last year that I, I like legitimately am like way into them now. Which meant I had to do some backtracking. I had listened to quite a bit of Copeland being around some of my friends. My other friend, Arian, if you're listening, he played Copeland all the time. So I was around Copeland, but not super into Copeland until recently. And when I learned that Blushing was going to be coming out, I was like, okay, I got to like, I should see if I'm actually going to like Copeland. Like they're a band that I always wanted to get into and never quite got into. And Blushing came out, and I loved it, and that forced me to go back. Um, Luckily, they were touring for Blushing, and they were touring with a band that Nate and I both love, which will be our next episode, which is from Indian Lakes. They were doing a tour together, which meant I had to see both of them. I would have seen both of them separately because I would have wanted to do that, but it was actually my first experience of seeing both bands live. They were both incredible. Uh, Copeland... I would say especially just just blew me away live. So this is also a quick plug that if Copeland is ever touring in your area, please go see them live. There's something just extra special live for me that like his voice is perfect. All the production elements that you hear on the album, you hear live, but everything, it's like the studio albums but on steroids almost when you're seeing them live that it's just everything that you want them to be they are that plus a little bit more and it's not like they're like spinning around twirling guitars jumping off the stage and they're not that type of of band but they definitely bring a lot of energy and i think the music itself just brings the energy that you need so definitely check them out live if they are in your area as well So, we are excited to jump into this album. What we're going to do, we're going to go song by song. We'll talk about each one. We'll give like a 15-second clip for each song. So, if you hear that clip uh, that's introing the song, then we'll talk about it real quick and move through the album song by song and then give you our final thoughts and summary. All right. You ready to jump in, Nate? If you're making me. So, the first song is called Pope. Would you be? Nate so what are your thoughts on this song so I don't remember if this was the first single I know they had teased night figures like forever ago before the album came out and they played night figures live I believe but anyways regardless of its position this is the first song on the album and I honestly think this is one of the strongest Copeland songs like of all time and that's saying a lot I just think from start to finish, it's so solid. It's very full. It's extremely dynamic while still being pretty even. I think that's actually a really strong quality Copeland has overall is an ability to be very dynamic without really changing like loudness or 
without without changing style or like elevating sound they're still like really dynamic i heard him talk about the song specifically and i don't remember where whether it was an interview or whether i read something or what but for the overall lyrics of the song so in the chorus he sings would you be my love until i can prove that this world is not real and he explained it like I'm going to do a poor job of this. So if you can find the actual interview, like listen to that instead. But he explained it like there's this guy who is disillusioned by the world and doesn't believe it's real. And he's trying to prove, hey, the world isn't real. And yet he still believes in love's existence. And I think that's just like a powerful statement about the reality of love. And its realness, regardless of what we can verify around it or outside of it. And I just thought it was a really cool and thoughtful way of writing a love song and just very unique. And I, I don't I have no idea why it's called Pope. I'd love to hear somebody give us an explanation on that. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a perfect start to a Copeland album. If you'd listened to Copeland before, there's certain elements that you are just waiting for. And so it starts with Aaron's soft voice. There's a lot of one of the things that shows up throughout almost every song during this album is that there's vocal layering with like an octave vocal below Aaron's voice. So it's got this kind of deep rumbling type of voice throughout the whole album and it shows up a lot in this i do love the beat that the drums carry in this song it's just kind of a a, it's not straightforward because it's actually a little unique but it just carries it's the same beat basically through the whole thing but how it comes into the song is also very unique that it's almost like halfway through the chorus or maybe towards the end of the chorus there before he just repeats that the world is not real part there the guitar lead after the first chorus is beautiful. It matches the amazing strings that happen throughout this song. It's just, it, it really is a perfect song musically. I feel like there's so many different elements in the song that they'll almost unpack throughout the rest of the album. But they're also just hinting at certain things that you're going to hear throughout the whole album. So it gets you kind of right into it. I also love... It's a long track. It just gives you a lot. It feels like it's almost overload, but it's so like perfectly written and, and put together that, that it just feels like a great start to the album. All right, let's move to track two. It is called Lay Here. The things that I would dream with my hand like that I watch the day appear instead Could we just lay All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on this song? So I actually don't like the way the end of Pope transitions to lay here. And it's not like there's this, you know, some albums have like clear transitions between songs. Like that's not happening between Pope and lay here, which is fine. But just the way Pope ends, it's like such a full song. And then lay here starts off so like sparse and bare and it just feels like it's lacking and whenever lay here starts after i listen to pope i'm like ah i don't really like this song 
even though I do like the song. And by the end, I'm like, oh, I actually do like this song. But I just don't like, I guess, the song placement where the way it works off of Pope, I'm just not really feeling it. I think Lay Here would be better in a different position. And it's a great song. I really like it. I just don't know why. Whenever it starts playing, I'm like, Ugh, I don't like this song. It's hard to describe. But yeah, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, that's something I hadn't thought about is is where it's at. I think I do love the song and I hadn't thought I noticed that I don't think about song transitions till towards like middle to end of this album is where they stick out to me a little bit more. So I think right away I'm not thinking about that, but I think that's a really good point. Maybe just where the song is at is maybe not the best placement for that and can can mess the listener up but uh let me point out some positives with the song itself so the vocal production on this entire album is maybe the best vocal production i've heard on any album ever and i think that has to do with how much work they actually put into it that it's not just Aaron's straight vocal there's reverbs there's there's Obviously, different vocal layering techniques, including harmonies, and then also the octaves that they use that I had alluded to in Pope. It's so perfect. One thing to also mention is that Aaron Marsh, the lead singer, that they record everything at his own studio, and he produces and does all of this stuff himself. So all the different production elements, you have to actually thank Copeland for, not some other producer or person kind of helping them like this is copeland this is how they write how they record all that stuff put together and so that is an insane thing lay here is a good example of that that's why i'm bringing it up during this song but it does show up throughout the rest of the album the vocal cadences on this song specifically although throughout the album once again they're great but the vocal cadences on this song specifically are just incredible i love them so just pay attention i don't know the vocals just really stand out to me on lay here both the production and the cadences of them so just check that out throughout the whole album but definitely listen a little closer to what they're doing on lay here with those elements all right let's move on to track three track three is called as above so alone Nate, what are your thoughts on As Above, So Alone? So for the lyrics, the chorus goes, And I know you love me, even when you can't say it like you mean it. Even when your words fail, I still can feel it. As above, so alone. And so below, which is like the usual phrase, is kind of, it kind of comes from, it's like a weird translation, not a weird translation, it's kind of a different way of saying on earth as it is in heaven, which comes from the Lord's Prayer, which is basically saying like, hey God, what happens in heaven, like make it be so on earth. And so I think what essentially what he's saying in the song is, 
is even when they're apart or even when her words don't feel like she means it or even when she doesn't say certain words at all communicating love, he still feels her love. And he says that throughout the song. So basically, dicing down the the phrase real quick, as above or in heaven represents when they are together. So alone or on earth represents when he is without her or when she doesn't seem to be present in her usual ways. So essentially, he feels her love when they are alone, just as if he was with her. Or she feels his love when she's not fully present when they're together, as if she is fully present. And it kind of comes down to like a trust thing. And I wonder how intentionally the religious nature of the imagery is here. And I'm sure there's other good interpretations of the song. So I'd love to hear those as well. So feel free to message us on Instagram or you can also email us your thoughts, which we'll read. Andrew, what do you think about the song? So, again, I'm giving almost some some just overall thoughts but with these songs specifically that like each element I feel like I've pulled out and I'm about to pull out happened throughout the entire album and I think that's one thing that I love about this album and we'll get into that a little bit more later is how cohesive the whole album feels from especially a production standpoint but one of the things that they do a lot on this album is they use some very unique timing and the timing of the instruments on this whole album, but this song specifically in As Above, So Along, are so unique. Just if you try to bop your head to one beat, then all of a sudden it'll change on you later. And if you listen to all the different instruments that they layer in, they don't just layer in using the same timing. Sometimes they'll have kind of these these weird glitchy moments with instruments. Um but like listen to the song like piano bass drums electric vocals all of them have some very unique timing and it doesn't all fit together like i don't know how you write a song with that type of timing because it doesn't actually fit together until it's all all there and and you can kind of hear it almost sounds like something's just off doing its own thing but somehow it fits together but I don't know how you write it. Like, I'm just, I'm so impressed. The song, I think, is once again just a musical masterpiece, how they fit all those instruments together. And you don't have to, uh, you don't even think about some of the timing sometimes until you're actually listening very closely and you're like, oh shoot, that's like insanely detailed and technical, but in a song that you wouldn't expect that at all. So, um, So those are some of my thoughts for this song specifically and obviously throughout the album. All right. Song four is called Suddenly. I could be counting all the flutters of her eyelids While I'm lost here in the sound of her quiet Should I be there you are? Suddenly you're not a smile on the screen So, Nate, what are your thoughts on Suddenly? 
So sometimes his lyrics are a little hard to understand. I think this song is one of the more clear songs about what he's referring to. And essentially, he's talking about an online relationship that has materialized into a face-to-face one. And he's talking about how everything changes suddenly as he's about to see this person or as he also sees them. And he recognizes just like how his world's going to change basically at a moment. And I like the overall vibe of the song. The instrumental at the end is really cool. It's really interesting and it's weird. The saxophone does some crazy things that I wasn't anticipating. Like, especially the first time I'm listening and I'm like, what's going on? Like, I had no idea what the saxophone was doing or why it was doing that. But as the song ends, at the end of the saxophone solo, it all stops on a very, like, sudden break, which is, like, kind of a little cheeky music musical thing based off of the theme of the song. And uh, then it ends with the chorus one more time with... Uh, I think it's just acapella, uh, the last chorus. But yeah, it's just a really well done song. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites on the album, but it's it's really solid. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, so you already mentioned the saxophone. I was going to talk about that a little bit as well. I think that is actually my favorite part of the song. It's so unique and... It's so, like, jazzy, yet it totally fits somehow. It's so weird. And I think this whole song is probably the weirdest song, at least so far on the album, if not possibly even on the album itself. Again, timing, the vocal cadences, it all feels like it it takes a while to get a feel for what the song's going to sound like. And then once you feel like you kind of get a feel for it, they throw in a saxophone. (laughs) So, So you never really feel... I think in some ways it's not unsettling from like a, from that from a standpoint of like lyrically it's not unsettling but I feel like musically it's unsettling because you can never really get a good feel for what they're going for throughout the song there are a lot of obviously sudden changes throughout the song and I really love all those different elements put together. Yeah, I love how they use the saxophone. The saxophone seems to be an instrument that always gets written into the same style of music, and they're using a saxophone outside of that same style, and the reason it probably sounds so jazzy is just because it is a saxophone, but I never would think that it would work as perfectly as it does in this song, so I like hats off for them trying something new they try a bunch of stuff throughout the album and i think it all works and so i do think the saxophone works really well all right next track is called night figures hiding in your words you're emotionless just like me night figures all around us night figures they surround What are your thoughts on Night Figures? Again, this is the first, a clip from Night Figures was the first part of the album I heard. And it was, I feel like a long time ago. I don't remember when. 
And since the album has come out, this has basically always been my least favorite song. And I just didn't really like the transition from the verses to the chorus. I don't even know who sings the chorus. It might be Aaron with like an extreme effect. It might be somebody else. I have no idea. But it's like, to me, it didn't feel as smooth as I wanted it to. It felt pretty choppy. And because I wasn't impacted by the first couple choruses, when Aaron comes in on the last chorus and is very like, the song is really intense and picks up. It just didn't hit me that hard because I didn't like the first choruses. So the last chorus just didn't pack a punch. But as I've been listening to this song, preparing for the podcast, I think I've grown to like the song a lot more and I don't feel as much that the chorus derails the song. And something I do really like is I love the strings that come in at times and I think the strings uh, really help provide some really beautiful parts in the song. So what are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, I love that we can do a podcast and have different thoughts. That's great because, as you were saying, it is growing on you. But it's funny because right away this hit me as one of my favorite songs. So right away I've always loved this song. It is one of my favorites. And so when they played it live, it was one of my favorite songs that they did live too. They have hits that they do where, like, the guitars, the drums, bass, like, everything's hitting those same hits. They do that towards the end of the song before going back, kind of in that same chorus, and it sounds amazing. I was going to highlight the strings as well. They use the strings a bunch throughout the album, but I do think this might be some of the best strings on the entire album is in this song, and so I love how the whole song ends with strings as well, so obviously it kind of highlights that a little bit more. To me, it's a really beautiful song, but it has some really dark elements in there too, and I love the difference of kind of this idea of dark and light, I feel like, musically a little bit, and it fits the lyrics really well as well, musically, so I think it's I think it's a great song wherever you end on the spectrum. If you don't like the song, definitely listen to it more because as Nate was saying I think it is one that can grow on you as well all right track six is called Skywriter Nate, what are your thoughts on the song Skywriter? So this song is definitely a vibe song for me, as as well as uh, Suddenly. A lot of the times when we review, or whatever you want to call this, talk about albums, I put a lot more thought into it than I do when I'm just listening, obviously. And it's funny, so like this song, for instance, I never once really like wondered what a Skywriter is. I just didn't really care. <laughs> I was just like... Oh, that's an interesting name for a song. And I just like didn't, I don't know, I just like don't care enough to figure it out. But when you look at the lyrics and listen more intently, it's pretty obvious he's talking about, or it seems obvious that he's talking about like plain imagery of someone riding in the sky and communicating 
some type of short lasting and terse message in the sky. And so I think basically throughout the song, what he's doing is he's talking about pursuit of an obsessive love that he knows won't work out. And I also think it's interesting the and this is me definitely reading into things, but just the distance between someone writing words in the sky and someone who's reading them on the ground, despite there being like communication there and despite there being like a pleading for love, they're essentially on separate planes, haha, or like levels and uh, won't be able to make it work because of their distance. So I thought that was like an interesting song. I've never seen lyrics like this, like use this type of imagery, really, or at least focus this much on this type of imagery. Um, And I thought it was really unique and cool for that. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think because it is such a slow and chill song and, and as you said, vibe song, I think it is probably the slowest and most chill even on the album. I think because of that, the lyrics stand out a little bit more. So I do like that it's very obvious to me. Not that like he always thinks through the lyrics a lot, but I felt like the lyrics were extremely intentional in Skywriter, and you did a good job unpacking those. So I did want to mention Young Summer and the female voice in the song and Aaron's way of being able to capitalize on that female voice. He has a very high voice or can have a very high voice if he'd like. And so it's really cool to actually hear a actual female voice on there. And then Aaron knows how to harmonize with that super well. So I think their their voices back and forth uh, sound really, really great in the song as well. That's the only other note I have for that song. Let's move on to track number seven. Track number seven is called Colorless. Nate, what are your thoughts on track number seven? So as someone who is colorblind, I very much identify with this song. It just like speaks to me in a unique way that it doesn't speak to most people. No, I'm just, I'm (laughs) really trying to be annoying by saying that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I think this might be my favorite song on the album. Uh, It's definitely one of the loudest, if not the loudest Copeland song. And what's cool about this song, and I kind of said this, earlier where i was like oh most copeland songs it's so cool how they can be dynamic and yet still beautiful without having to be loud here it's dynamic it's beautiful and it's loud and it's like it's cool because i haven't heard many copeland songs like this but they're just able to do so much i think the title blushing comes from this track or it could potentially come from it felt so real as well but the song is so emotional and it's desperate and you can hear that emotion and desperation through the music and through the vocal performance. And I just think it's so fantastic. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah. So I love how this song transitions. That's actually going to be the first note that I have that from the softest and slowest song on the album, it starts, the song does not start big. You mentioned that it's it's a big song and it's their loudest song in the album. I would say by far, too. Like, they don't really get that that heavy 
even close to it. So it hits a whole nother level, but it doesn't just decide like, hey, it's soft. Let's just like punch him in the face with like this new track. It starts soft. Aaron is able to use his falsetto, which he uses throughout the album. But I think this is my favorite use of it on the album that he has some really great falsetto and then it starts to go into kind of some interesting chord structures there's some subtle synth work that's really good and then it hits real i mean it's big before this but like by that bridge and the entire bridge the guitars just just going at it there's probably like six or seven guitars like layered it's insane there's all this stuff happening at once and you realize oh shoot this is like a big loud song like it's it's really cool that it almost takes a while for you to realize how how loud the song is at least it did for me and maybe i'm just slow but yeah i think the whole song is amazing nate mentioned it is one of the best songs on the album and it's funny because it's coming at like track seven where it's it's towards the later end of it but like they have such a cool song here later i mean they have multiple other cool songs after this too don't get me wrong but like i'm just always surprised because i feel like i know the first half really well when i first listened to the album i probably listened to the first half through skywriter like probably like five times and only finished the album like two times or something so i remember the first time i listened to colorless and like really paid attention i was like oh shoot like i don't know this song as well as i'd like to and it's such a good song All right, we are moving on to track eight. Track eight is called On Your Worst Day. thoughts on track eight so there was i think three singles and it was pope night figures and on your worst day and it's funny like looking back i didn't like my two least favorite songs were two of the singles on your worst day might be the weirdest song copeland's ever done like it feels very awkward at times in the middle where he's like Hey lover, come over here. With like the like offbeat like drum machine type feel. Um and all the like weird synths kinda like they kind of feel like sprinkled throughout the middle of the track. But this is a song that similar to Night Figures, and actually I probably like it more than Night Figures now. I think it's a strong song. I real I especially like the beginning and the end. Um, and how it kind of breaks. I view it less as like annoying the middle and view it more of like a breakdown and like a almost like a crumbling that like ties back together at the end, which I think I like respect the artistry a little bit more in it now after listening a lot. And I just like that he tried something weird because Copeland. So like, for instance, Exora. Like, the reason why I loved it was just because of how beautiful the album was. And I'm not saying they didn't take any risks, but they really beautify everything. And I feel like on some of the songs here, they take more risks. 
And I think this is a, an example of that and focus less on the beauty and more on the experimentation. This is by far Copeland's most experimental album, in my opinion. And it just takes a while to get used to as a lifelong fan, but I like the song a lot now. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah. So one of the things that I'd mentioned earlier is that there's some sound and some elements that sound like a record skipping or just like they kind of jump some of the instruments. It's so cool. And they use it a bunch on the album. They use it a lot in track eight here. I love it so much, and I really liked it before. Then after the concert, I got their vinyl at the concert and came back, and while I was listening, I was like, oh, shoot, there's something extra special about listening to something that sounds like a record skipping while it's actually on a record that, like, it, like, throws you off occasionally. And so it's it's really cool. So if you don't have this album on vinyl, by the way, it is actually one of my favorite albums on vinyl, so definitely check that out. I love that Copeland seems to take their time and not rush getting to big or full moments that like there's times that they especially in the song with with these verses that it just takes a while to get into what I would say the song is that that they really take their time with just very intentional but slow builds and then after the chorus you kind of have gotten a feel up to that point of what the song is. Then there's a synth part that comes in that changes the entire feel of the song for like the rest of it, especially when the drums come in, comes in with a completely different feel and timing than I think anyone would expect. If you saw that coming, like you're probably a genius and you should definitely be writing and, and producing music because it takes me off guard Every single time, and I've heard the song, I don't know how many times, but every time the drums come in, I'm always like, oh shoot, like I was not expecting that timing. It's always so unique, and I just think the whole song is an example of like Pete Copeland from like a writing production uh, aspect, but also it's showing you how exactly what Nate was saying. They're not just going to play it safe. They're not just like, oh, yeah, we've done this before. Let's do it again. It's like, hey, what can we bring to the table that's a little bit more unique, that pushes us a little bit more, and uh, and they definitely do that on this song. All right, we're going to move to track nine. Track nine is called Strange Flower. Every time you see now you drift What are your thoughts on Strange Flower? So I think this is a very strong song instrumentally and melodically. I love the orchestral instruments again and how they help make the song feel very full. They just do such a good job bolstering the track. Lyrically, Aaron sings, Call me crazy, some nights I think it's true. Call me desperate, at times I am for you. Call me F up, at least I pull myself up. At least I pull myself up. I mean, I wouldn't say like holistically it grasps like everything about what it means to be in a relationship. But I do think there's times where these words are so true or at least so needed when you feel like or seem like a screw up. 
but you're willing to pull yourself up and you're willing to like make changes and not just like settle as that. So it's like, Hey, you can like say these things about me in a relationship. Like you can call me whatever you want, but I'm like changing and I'm becoming better. And like, that's not who I'm going to remain. And so I think that's like a really good attitude to have um, one that's willing to change and willing to grow in a relationship. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So from a musical standpoint, this is the most poppy song on the album. There's some elements that that sound very poppy. One of the main ones is that there's some 808s that kind of help that poppy feel that you hear a lot in pop music, hip hop, whatever. Uh, but as a whole different dimension to this song. I love the skipping sounds again. They use it in this song as well. But one of the elements that's so cool is that they use some acoustic guitar in the song. And if you've listened to Copeland for a while, you know that that's not a stranger to Copeland's music. But it is on this album that they definitely have used plenty of acoustic guitar in the past. But on this album, they have not really used it at all. So it's really cool and almost almost refreshing to hear um an acoustic guitar up at this point it sounds really really good and it's rarely used on this album at all so um the other note is lyrically uh the use of the f-bomb i do think it's actually really cool i just really like it i like when people are intentional about where they use curse words and it's used to enhance what they're trying to say and not use as a crutch at all and i feel like that's definitely how aaron uses it in the song so all right, let's move on to track 10. Track 10 is called It Felt So Real. Just your name over and over. Just your name. Nate, what are your thoughts on this track? So I love second to last tracks like this where literally their whole purpose is just to let you know the album's winding down and you're entering into the last song. So this is like, you know how sometimes we're like, oh, I really feel like this was at its best as the closing track or, oh, I feel like this was a great opener track or a great middle track, whatever. Like this song can only be the second to last track. Like, it's like the only place it works. But because it's there, it works. And I think it does its job. I like how it brings back some of the imagery and the conversation of Pope. And it adds some things and it helps tie certain things together. And it's kind of a weird track. But again, I like where it is and I like what it does. What are your thoughts, Andrew? So I agree. It really is just setting up the next song it also in some ways is like definitely wrapping up the album musically they use some of the same elements as almost like a callback to what you've already heard um especially aaron's vocal in that has some very repetitive parts that he used earlier and obviously it has the repetitive phrases and and things from pope uh, earlier in this album so it really does feel like it's it's winding the album down it's actually it's more of an interlude than an actual song or anything so there's not much to 
pick at or say that you didn't already say. All right, let's move to the last track. The last track is called Waltz on Water. Nate, what are your thoughts on track 11, the final track, Waltz on Water? So I love the way this song closes the album instrumentally. It definitely feels like the perfect closer of the songs that are here to close the album. I like how the style of the song, so it's like sparse lyrically, and it's repetitive, and it plays with the melody of the chorus, and I just really like the imagery to close the album, where Aaron sings, We're waltzing. On the water now, I'm drowning here on solid ground. And I didn't add the ooh-ooh-oohs, but those are there. I'm not sure what he means exactly, but my interpretation is basically he's trying to communicate this sense of finding fantasy in what's real. He's talking about dreaming in real life. And it's just a very romantic way to end the album that kind of fits with how Pope starts and my explanation of Pope from what I remember he said where in the midst of like dreaming like love is real and uh, yeah I just thought it was a great way to tie things together and I think he does a good vocal performance I haven't heard him sing like this in many songs where it's not quite like a falsetto but it like I don't, I don't know if you know how to describe it Andrew but like the ooh, ooh, oohs <laughs> or the o's or whatever like i don't know i haven't his voice uh i haven't heard sound like that which is cool too so yeah what are your thoughts andrew yeah i'm gonna segue off of that because that's the first thing that i wrote down is that those oohs they're not something like honestly i would have put money on these not showing up in the song because again They've like his voice has never sounded like that. The use of those ooze, specifically with with the melody that's used there, it is very poppy as well. It's funny that like I always felt like they never were anything close to poppy, but here late in the song, there's actually a couple elements that remind me of of some some poppier elements as well. But specifically those ooze, and I think that's why it stands out so much, is that it's not something he would ever do. Also, I do think his voice in general on that chorus sounds unique. Not just the ooze, but in general, just how it's mixed is a little bit different, and I think that's really cool. The thing that also stands out to me in this song is the bass guitar. The bass work on the entire album is really, really solid. But this is actually my favorite bass guitar on the entire album here to close it. All right. So that is our track by track review of Copeland's album Blushing. We're going to get into some album summary and ratings next. All right. So for our album summary, we're going to start with just our favorite track. So, Nate, what is your favorite track on this album? I think I'm going to go a colorless just because it's probably the most unique song on the album in comparison to what copeland's ever done and it's very powerful and it it gets me psyched every time i listen to it i get really hyped 
And yeah, it just hasn't lost its effect on me yet. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, so I was torn between that and Pope, so I'm just going to go too. with Pope. So <laughs> yeah, we, we're covering probably the top two anyway. I will say this is front to back, a to me, a perfect album in the sense of like there's no bad songs. Like, like all of them, at least to me, are really, really, really solid. So it makes it a little harder to pick favorite tracks because then it feels like we're dissing other songs. Like I really like As Above, So Alone. I also really like Night Figures and On Your Worst Day has some really cool stuff. Like I just like so many songs. But yeah, check out Pope and Colorless. Those are our two favorite tracks on the album. All right, we're going to go into our album ratings now. So for our album ratings, what we do is we break it into five different categories, the entire album. Our categories are instrumentation, vocals, lyrics, journey, which is the flow, consistency, and length of the album, and the package, which is the production and album artwork on this album. So we're going to break it into five elements. We're going to rate them between 1 and 10. And then we're going to give you our total scores as a podcast out of 100. And then we'll simplify that to a 1 out of 10 score. So you can know kind of where we land on this album in general. And we'll let you know where it sits as well in our podcast rankings. So, Nate, what did you give instrumentation? I gave instrumentation a 9. I think it was really strong. I think there was still room to grow. I think some of the risks paid off tremendously. Other risks didn't work quite as well. But I'm happy Copeland's mixing it up. And honestly, this album does make me really excited for their next album to see if they continue to experiment. Can they improve instrumentally on what they've done here? But I think it's a really solid album there. What about you, Andrew? So I have what's interesting is I have similar thoughts, but not similar thoughts because I went with 10. So I went 10 out of 10, which means that they can't get better. But also, like, I literally will listen to this album. And like I said, I don't listen and go, like, for me, I don't listen and go, oh, that didn't work. Everything that they try, every risk that they try, for me, it works. And some of the stuff, it just blows my mind. Again, some of the timing that they use, and we'll get to production later, but just how everything's put together is insane. And that that still is instrumentation, how they use all those different instruments. His voice is also an instrument, so we are going to be giving his voice a different uh, rating as well. But how it's used as from an instrumentation standpoint, it also increases the overall uh, thing there. So, So yeah, I gave that a 10 out of 10. All right, Nate, next up is vocals. What do you give that? So I gave vocals a 9.5. I think the vocals of Copeland are always an ex- I mean, every aspect of Copeland is extremely important. Um, yeah, he just does a great job with the melodies, with the cadences, with harmony stuff. Like, I don't know. He just does a great job on this album vocally. I think it's a really strong vocal performance. I do think... The reason why it's not a 10 for me, and it's similar to the instrumentals, I do feel like some melodies could have been stronger. And it's not like every single song, I'm like, ooh, this is like exactly where it should be. Not that I know where it should go, but I feel like there is still room for improvement. What are your thoughts, Andrew? 
I gave it a 9.5. I feel basically the exact same way that you do on everything from falsetto to his full voice to just how he sings dynamically soft to loud. He uses about every part of his his vocal range, and he always does. He always does a very good job of knowing what he does really well, and that is honestly just singing. It's just he, he knows how to sing so well, and he can create just the best and most beautiful landscapes with his voice. So he does a great job with that, and yeah, I agree, 9.5. All right, Nate, lyrics, what do you give that? Lyrics I gave a 9. I think with every section so far, I can look back. And it's not that we should be extremely comparative, but I can look back and at certain Copeland albums and say, oh, they did it better there. And I think lyrics are another good example where he's written better lyrics before. I think some lyrics... Like, the imagery isn't as strong as it could be. What I do like lyrically, my favorite aspect lyrically is, like, the overall theme of dreaming and love and fantasy and reality and stuff. I find it very interesting. And I do think he does a good job spreading that throughout the album. And again, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. This is being, like, very nitpicky. Like, he has fantastic lyrics. I just think it's not his absolute best. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I gave it a 9 out of 10 as well. And for the exact same reasons, I think all the lyrics, they're this weird mix of both speaking from like a pers- like personal standpoint, but also very poetic. And so I love how the lyrics all work within the song. But when you try to like kind of narrow down exactly what he's saying in every song sometimes it's almost poetic to the point that it can be a little hard to understand everything that he's trying to say but i love it because it kind of makes the listener have to figure out what either they think he's trying to say or figure out what it means to them in general so i think the lyrics are really strong i do love and I know track names is a little different, but like they do have to do with the lyrics as well. And there are some interesting words used and again, just interesting imagery that's not used all that often. So really solid lyrics, but yeah, maybe some room for improvement, maybe not the all time best Copeland lyrics on this album. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on the journey that is the flow, consistency, and length of the album? So I gave this a nine as well. I think the only really main flaw for me was what I said about the where Lay Here is. I actually think Lay Here would have been a really good first track. But I just think from a thematic standpoint, it just doesn't set up the album as well as Pope does. But like, if we were taking th- theme out of it, which is kind of tough too because it's like, on a certain level, like his hands are forced to put tracks in certain places from theme, even if it doesn't work quite as well instrumentally. But overall, I feel like the album flows really well. There's never a strand of, and you talked about this earlier, like there's not really any weak songs, but there's never a part of the album where you're like, ah, okay, this is a boring part or whatever. I mean, it's just solid through and through, and it does take you on a journey. Uh, which I really like. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, so I gave that an 8.5. I would say the only thought that I would have as far as maybe why it's not a little higher is maybe similar to you, some of the some of the tracks maybe just 
initially strike you as as just not exactly what you're expecting or, or wanting um, right away from from track placement, but but very small. Uh, one of the other things for me was just when I had written this was 11 tracks. It really is only 10 songs because of the interlude. But I would say it is on the on the lengthier end, especially with how chill some of the parts can be. And some of the songs are a little longer and have some very extended endings, which I love. But it does make it sometimes just a little harder to sit and listen through the entire album because simply of the length, it's just a little longer than I think... Uh, most albums so not that I want it to be any less but I could see not listening through the whole album as often because of that and that's kind of why I gave it an 8.5 all right Nate what are your thoughts on the packaging so that's the production and the album artwork yeah so I gave this a 9.5 I think of the five sections, I think this is the highest grade. Even though it's tied with vocals, I'd give this a little bit of a higher 9.5. Like The only reason it's not a 10 is simply because I don't like the album at the level of a 10. And I know it's kind of weird, but like it's kind of gray for me where it's like, if you don't love the songs at a 10 level, it's hard to like the production at a 10 level because of how intertwined it is. And so I gave it a 9.5. I mean, it's just really phenomenal production from vocal layering and edits to the instrumental layering to all the different types of feels and styles and vibes he makes. And the fact that it's all self-produced just makes it even more impressive. And yeah, I mean, this is definitely close to a 10 for me. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Well, it's about as close to a 10 as it can be because I gave it a 10. So I think for me, I was trying to think what I would do differently there to figure out if I were to do something differently. Obviously, I, I try and knock it down just a little bit just to say I think it could be better. But I'm not sure for me that it can be any better. I actually really like the album artwork, too, uh, which we haven't really touched on too much but I think it's beautiful and I think it fits everything that you need it to of just love and dreaming and and just kind of this like ethereal sense of maybe that's with the dreaming as well but it fits so well with what you're listening to that that the album artwork is really great with it as well so I love that and then the production elements to me it's insane how you produce an album with this many parts we've chosen a lot of albums with a lot of parts and this obviously as well has just so many parts and to be able to produce an album that mixes and and just produces all those elements to sound just perfect even the fact that like you can somehow mix a saxophone into a a copeland song and sure you think about it but it doesn't throw you like it should probably is insane to me so yeah i gave that a 10 out of 10 all right so that brings my total score to a 47 that brings nate's total score to a 46 and that brings our total our podcast score to a 93 out of 100 or a 9.3 out of 10 which is our podcast score that makes this our second favorite album that we've done on the podcast so if you have not really taken the time to listen to this album, we are 
obviously by our ratings, we are highly suggesting that you do that. We love this album and uh, and Copeland in general. So don't just check out this album. Check out all of Copeland's albums and and go to a concert. Support them any which way you can. Again, I'm going to give another plug for the vinyl because I love the vinyl as well. So check it out. And thanks for listening. We still have our encore, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to our Encore. This is where we give you our final thoughts on just anything that we want to. We'll also give some shout-outs here as well. So, thank you for listening to this podcast. It means so much to us. You're, you're just taking the time to listen to this whole podcast. It's really helpful for us if you can subscribe to the podcast, if you can rate it, if you can review it. Just all of those things are super helpful. We have our podcast anywhere you can find them. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all the all the podcast places that you can find it. So definitely subscribe, rate, review us on all of them. We, as you can tell, have no sponsors for this, which means you didn't have to listen through us plugging people who are giving us money to plug their Nutri-Grain bars or whatever um, normal <laughs> sponsors are. So, so... You just got to listen to us talk about music and stuff that that we love. We are not making money from this. We are just doing this because we love it. But we can't keep doing this without your your help and your uh, your support. So thank you so much for that as well. If you like the music that was used in between our different sections, that is by our friend Josh Leininger, spelled L-E-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. So check out all of Josh Leininger's music. He makes some really great uh, ethereal landscape type stuff and, and some really cool acoustic stuff. So definitely check out his music as well. He is awesome for letting us use his music. You can also reach out to us through all of our different socials. So we have Twitter, Instagram, even an email that you can email. So our Twitter, you can find us at Pod. And Instagram is the same, LDL Pod. You can also email us at listening at gmail.com. So definitely reach out to us. Let us know your favorite Copeland album, maybe your favorite song on this album. That's also on our Twitter and Instagram is where we're going to have posted our top three and our uh, spammer jam. So definitely go check those out, vote on those, respond. Let us know your top three and if we are correct or incorrect on those spammer jams. All right, Nate, you have a final thought. What is your final thought? Well, before I get into my final thought, I actually had an idea. So Copeland has a lot of albums. And what Andrew and I are both going to do, even though I haven't checked with Andrew to make sure this is okay, we're going to make a tier list of Copeland albums and post that on our Instagram story and hopefully provide the link for you to do it yourself. 
and you can share your tier list of Copeland albums and we'll repost them as well. So feel free to do that and we'll post that probably after we go through the Spammer Jam songs and top three. But that's something exciting to look forward to. Okay, my final thought. Andrew, I have a question for you. What's it called when a chameleon can't change its colors anymore? What? A reptile dysfunction. <laughs> Do I have to mark our, our episode explicit now? Is that, is that too oh, much? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I love it. <laughs> All right, so my final thought, I thought I would do something interesting. So we had mentioned... Oh, compared to me? Oh, com- thanks. Great. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to do something that the listeners will actually enjoy. <laughs> so because Copeland is from Florida, along with Amberlynn, Under Oath, all those fun guys... Oh, I, know, I know what you're doing now. Because they're yeah. from Florida. You asked me for my birthday. I did ask me for his birthday before. <laughs> Damn it, he knows it. So... What we're going to do is we're going to share some Florida man (laughs) stories. Uh, It's really fun. So I'll share two just in general that I just searched Florida man. And these were two of the first ones that uh, that showed up. So the first headline for Florida man is Florida man wears F the police shirt to court wins case. Next Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon. After throwing alligator through a Wendy's drive through window. <laughs> that one is insane and almost not even believable, but I love it. All right. So if you haven't done this yet, you can search your birthday and Florida man. And because there are such weird people in Florida, it will come up with different stories of what a Florida man has done. Uh, on or around your birthday, at least close. For Nate and I, we both have on our birthdays something fun happened. And so I'm going to share with you the Florida man story for our coinciding birthdays. So my birthday is May 1st, so you can send your checks to... No, I'm just kidding. But my birthday is May 1st, and on May 1st, a drunk Florida man kicked out of a library told cops he was Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> which, that's a good one which is pretty great i wish it didn't say drunk i wish this was a completely sober florida man who like just was so set that he was he was jason Bourne. so nate's birthday is july 9th and on july 9th a clumsy florida man pulled a gun out and tripped <laughs> and i had to read a little bit about this so apparently he was pulling a gun on a deputy which you should not do you should not pull a gun on anyone uh, unless they mean physical harm to other people but he pulled out his gun and apparently the report says but luckily he had two left feet <laughs> and, he, and he just tripped and fell and the deputy just came over and cuffed him while he was on the ground <laughs> it's my favorite story it's so good i shot the sheriff But I didn't shoot the deputy because I got two left feet. Oh, I. (laughs) (laughs) That is what the song should be now, apparently. Our new song, Two Left Feet, is coming out on all streaming platforms on uh, July 9th, 2020. 
just to honor uh, this Florida man. We got to get to work on that. All right. So you should also just Google Florida man stories on your birthdays and let us know what you found happened in Florida on or around your birthday because it is a really fun state for the rest of us states. If you're living in Florida, you can just tell us what you did on your actual birthday and if it was fun and if it was newsworthy, I guess. All right. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. For Nate and I, I am saying peace out, Girl Scouts, and have a great rest of your day. On the next podcast, Nate and I will be talking about the album Dimly Lit by the band from Indian Lakes. I do not think that my belly can get any bigger.